Good morning, everybody. Thank you guys for having me back. I'm excited to get back and share the Word of God with you guys again. Um, for those of you who weren't here, or maybe, I mean, maybe you still don't remember me. Uh, I'm uh, Andrew Vanuk. Uh, um, hopefully I made a decent impression last time. But uh, if not, I'm here to try again. Um, <laughs> uh, so I want to talk to you guys today about... Um, Something that as I was studying through this that kind of hit me, uh, it reminded me of back when I first became a Christian. Uh, I gotten saved, I'll give you a little bit of my testimony, I got saved when I was 16 at the Heritage High School Gymnasium. Um, I know it sounds a little different, but uh, my dad actually deals with bipolar depression, and um, he had uh, committed or tried to commit suicide. And as a 16-year-old kid, I did not understand why he would do that or why he would want to uh, to leave our family behind. So I started searching, and I, and I was like, look, there's got to be something more to this life, something more in this world, because for it to just end like that would be tragic. So there's actually one of my best friends, uh, A.J. Millsaps. He's actually a minister now, too. Um, but he used to read his Bible every day in class. And uh, I, I grew up not really going to church. My dad kind of grew up Catholic, actually. Um, and I, we, didn't, we really didn't go. We went on, like, Christmas and Easter. I like to call those the Creaster Christians. Uh, <laughs> but um, So we were Creaster Christians then, I guess. No, uh, and um, we never really went. I didn't really know. So I, I, I figured, hey, this guy reads his Bible every day. Surely he knows something about this Jesus guy and how he could help. So he actually shared the gospel with me and walked through a lot of the Bible with me that day. And in our last class of the day in gym, uh, I gave my life to the Lord. So that was great and wonderful, and I was excited. And I went to myself, and I went, now what? You know, where do I go from here? As a Christian, we're taught to teach the gospel and to get people saved, but the discipling kind of stops right there sometimes, and we just our default is to just invite somebody to church and let uh, you know the pastor teach them or let some of the elders teach them. Well, AJ actually discipled me a little bit more, and he went in a little bit more. But I know for most Christians, it's kind of confusing, and we we sit back and we go, you know, what do we do now? We even feel kind of lost. Uh, at first, and we don't really know what our purpose is as a Christian. You know, that's great. You know, I'm a Christian. I gave my life to the Lord. What do I do now? So that's what I want to look at today. And I'm going to go back to Acts. Um, and some of you guys might know this guy, uh, Paul. <laughs> uh, that's uh, who we're going to be talking about today and his uh, conversion story in Acts chapter 9. So if you guys want to turn there, the first thing we're going to look at today is how God makes all this happen, why, why he has us come to him, and what his plan is for us. So you guys want to turn to chapter 9. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm just going to go ahead and read all the way through chapter or, uh, verse 19, and then I'll kind of come back and work through a little bit of it. So it says, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, 
he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, Who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. But get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is a chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias went up and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. He got up and he was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. That's a pretty cool story, right? Here's Saul, and this is Paul, by the way. And uh, to clear up some confusion, his name actually doesn't get changed to Paul. Uh, one of them is his Greek name, and one of them is his Roman name, since he was a Roman citizen. Or, well, I guess one's his Greek name, one's his Jewish name. So his name's actually Solus Paulus. So if that clears anything up for you guys. Um, so he didn't really change his name. He just... And this is the same Paul we're talking about wrote half of the New Testament. And I want you to see the way that he's described in these first few sentences. Saul was breathing threats and murder against these disciples. So much so that he even went to the high priest himself to gain permission to go crack down even farther on these Christians who were following the way. And that is what Jesus called his followers. They were following the way of Jesus Christ. And uh, so Paul was on such a mission, and he believed so much so in what the Jewish people believed, that he was wanting to crack down on these Christians. And he even went to get permission to go and murder and take to jail and to beat and stone these Christians. And then... I think it's so cool that God sees Paul and he says, hey, instead of striking him down or, you know, you know, putting an end to him because, you know, he's causing too much persecution, let's push him out of the way, we don't need him. He says, let's turn this guy who is obviously super zealous for things that he believes in and put him on our team. Let, let's change this around so that instead of him working against us, he can work for us. And I, I think that shows a beautiful message of mercy and grace on the Lord's part. 
And I like the message that it shows there is that even the, even the most hardened enemies of Christ, someone like Paul, who is murdering women and men, throwing them in jail, it even describes him as hunting down children who are following this way. And he decides to you know, change his heart and use him for the glory of the kingdom instead. That's a huge transition, and it has a huge message, and it shows that God can even use the most hardened hearts and the worst of his enemies for his own glory and kingdom. And I think that's really awesome. I, it reminds me of a story of my friend um, Mac. Uh, Mac is a guy that I work with at uh, Keurig, and Mac came to my small group about a month and a half ago that I lead on Fridays at my work. And he was telling me that before he became a Christian, he was a very big alcoholic, and so much so that it used to cause him to physically abuse his wife. And to me, and maybe to you guys too, thinking back on someone like that, it's hard to imagine how God can use an abusive alcoholic for his kingdom. But Mac decided that when he was really drunk one day that he was going to wander into a church. And from that day, God was able to use some of the people in that church to share the gospel with Mac, and he received the Lord, and since then his life has completely changed. And he has actually reconciled things with his wife, and they are actually still together, so they never even separated or got divorced or anything. They've been going for 25 years, and he was able to reconcile his marriage. And I think it just shows the same way. So just like Paul, a guy who is you know, causing all kinds of trouble, and he's sinning, and doesn't seem like, hey, God can't use this guy. You know, he's a monster. He's persecuting Christians right now. Well, Mac may not have been persecuting Christians, but he was hurting his wife, and he was hurting himself, and God gave him a second chance. And I, and I love that, and I think it's really great that God is able to do that. So we can see that God can use literally anybody to work for his kingdom. And uh, I'm sure every one of you guys, and I can think of more people in here, that like people that I think of that I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know, God, like that guy's pretty rough. I don't know... I don't know if you can use him for your kingdom. Just not sure. Like I can't share the gospel with this guy. He's not going to listen anyway. You know, he—he's just—he is what he is. Well, obviously, from this story, we should be sharing the gospel with everyone, because we don't get to decide who God's going to use as a chosen instrument for His kingdom. We share the gospel with them, and God can change the heart of anybody. So. I guess that's really my first point. God can choose anybody and he can work through anybody. So now I want to look at, so as a chosen instrument of God, once we become a Christian, what do we do now? So as a chosen instrument of God, we do whatever God asks of us. It's that simple. He's God. We are not. And I love this in the story with Ananias. Because here's Ananias. He's a, he's a disciple of the Lord. He's been a good Christian. 
And the Lord comes to him in a vision and he says, Hey, uh, I want you to go and find this guy, Saul. Maybe you've heard of him. And, you know, I want you to share the gospel with him and, you know, take the scales off his eyes so he can see again. And I want you to, you know, you know, let him know that he is a disciple of mine now. And Ananias is like, Lord, uh... You know this guy, right? Like, you've heard what he's doing. He's killing people. He's throwing people in jail. Like, if I go over there and say that I'm with you, he's probably going to kill me. And the Lord just shuts Ananias down, and he says, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, the kings, and the Israelites, which is what we see throughout the rest of the book of Acts in exactly what Paul does. And he says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So I also like that a little bit because Paul has caused a lot of suffering. And in return, God's like, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to save you, but you're going to suffer for this. He's like, I'm going to use you to the point of breaking you down. But you are going to do amazing things in my name, and I'm going to use you. And I love that. But... And I love, I just love Ananias' reaction there because I feel like that's how I would feel and that's exactly how I would act as a Christian. Like if God were telling me, hey, go share the gospel with Mac. Um, you know, he's, he's been drinking a lot and he's been abusing his wife, but I think it's time that he becomes one of my disciples and I'm going to start to use him in better ways for the kingdom. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think... Uh, my first thought would have been, all right, let's go do it. My first thought would have been like, God, you realize this guy, you know, he's abusive. He's an alcoholic. I don't know how you're going to use him for the kingdom. That's not really my job to decide, and I'm not the one who is going to change Mac's heart anyway. The Lord is going to change Mac's heart. And, I, and Ananias doesn't know, but he's going to help Saul, and God's already changing the heart of Saul. So Ananias is just being obedient and surrendering at this point to sharing the gospel with Saul and helping him work through what he's going to be doing. And um, that's really what we do as disciples of Christ, is we do whatever God asks of us. We, we may have doubts like Ananias. We may be like, oh, you know, kind of questioning things at first. But we're supposed to follow whatever God asks of us as his chosen instruments. I'm a huge baseball fan, so I'm going to use this analogy because I think it works pretty good, and you know I just love baseball. So uh, I think of this as like a general manager, right? I guess it works for any sport, really. Um, a general manager going out and picking the players that he needs for specific positions. So in the story, God is kind of like your GM, right? In the offseason, he's going and signing a first baseman, second base, third base, and he's not just throwing them all out anywhere on the field. He's like, hey, you're a great first baseman. I want you to play first base. I want you to do your job. That's what you're good at. Do what you're good at. So I like that analogy because that's exactly how I see God using Saul and Ananias here. He's telling Ananias, like, hey, I need you to go share the gospel. You're already a faithful servant of mine. I need you to go share the gospel, Saul. And Saul may have been doing things in the wrong way, but he was zealous for them, and he had a lot of passion for it. So I think that's why God's using 
Saul to kind of take that zeal and that passion and use it for his own kingdom glory. So as the GM, God is just using these chosen instruments in the place that he is intending them. And as Christians, we are all chosen instruments. So when we became a Christian, God chose us for a certain purpose. So there's no need to feel lost or, or like you don't know what to do next because wherever you are is where you should be sharing the gospel. You're already in a job that you're probably good at. You're already friends with the people that you're meant to be friends with. You are already in the situations that you need to be in. So when you're making disciples and being used as a chosen instrument, you just, get, you just let God use you exactly where you are. So to do this, you just have to reflect on, you know, what am I good at? What, who are the people that I see every day in my work that I could be sharing the gospel with? How can God use me as His chosen instrument right here and right now exactly where I am? And I can assure you that God has definitely chosen you and that you definitely have a purpose. Here's Jesus' words in John 15:16. He says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. So you have assurance from the words of Jesus Himself that it wasn't you that chose Him, but He that chose you. You have been chosen as an instrument of God, and you are meant to be used with the strengths and the talents that you already have, in the positions of life that you're already in. And that's exactly what Saul and Ananias were doing in this story. They were just being obedient to God and being willing to be used as chosen instruments. And I love the, the fact that God chooses us because it's not just it's not us making the decision. It's like, hey, you know, I created Andrew Vanuk and you know, he's really good at doing certain things, and, you know, he might not be as good at others, but uh, I'm going to make him a disciple of mine by using AJ to share the gospel with him in Heritage High School Gym. And then I'm going to use him and the talents that he has for my kingdom and for sharing the gospel. And that's what he's done with each and every one of you here in this room. He created you, and he said, hey, I needed you. I need you to be my disciple. You are a Christian because I chose you and you have a grand purpose in this bigger plan. And I love that. I mean, what kind of assurance do you need other than that is that you're a chosen instrument by our Lord and Savior, that it's not on your own will and power, but that God actually chose you to be a part of His kingdom. And that is exactly what we need to believe and have confidence in, is that Jesus is God and that he's going to continue to grow his church through his chosen instruments. So that's our purpose as Christians. We've been chosen by God to be chosen instruments to move forward and to share the gospel in the situations that we're already in. So I have unique situations. I was talking to Cassie this morning in the car, and I was telling her, look, she just graduated, 
as a registered dental assistant. So she works, or will work when she gets a job, <laughs> will work in the back offices with dentists and, you know, um, I can't remember, hygienists and other dental assistants. Yeah, good job. And um, that's what she'll be doing. And you know what? I will never be able to do that. I am not a registered dental assistant. I won't be able to work back in the offices with the dentist. And I won't work with the hygienist. And rarely will I ever even get to speak to them because when I go to the dentist, they're working in my mouth. So um, that is a unique opportunity in her job that she has to reach those people as a disciple maker for Christ that I don't have. So each one of us is in a position where we can reach specific people, and that is how God is going to use each and every one of us as a chosen instrument. So like, I'll be able to reach certain people at Keurig Green Mountain that none of you guys will be able to reach. And you guys have friends that I'm not friends with that I'll never be able to reach. Or I was telling her again this morning, like, I'm not a mom. I'm not going to relate to a bunch of moms. So each and every one of us, when you start to think about the situations that we're in and the positions we're in, if we really put our minds to it and think, hey, what position am I maybe in that someone else isn't? So what kind of people can I specifically reach for the kingdom of God by sharing the gospel? Because that is how God has chosen me to be used in the situation that I'm already in. And that's what we're supposed to do is the Great Commission, if you don't know this, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That actually translates better as, as you are already going make disciples. So as you're already in your everyday lives, think about the people that you come across and you should be sharing the gospel with these people. You should be making disciples, building relationships, and that is how God has specifically chosen you to be used. And I, I think that gives a lot of purpose into our lives and to be honest, it takes off a lot of burden because you may not be meant to be a pastor. You may not meant, be meant to go to China. You may not be meant to go even you know, to another city in your own state, but at your work, at your home, discipleship starts at home. In your work, at your home, with your friends, those are people that you can reach. That same cashier at the grocery store that you see every week could be somebody in your life that you should be sharing the gospel with because you may see that person all the time and other people don't. So as Christians, we need to try to reflect on the situations that we're in and how God can continue to use us as His chosen instruments to move the gospel forward and remember to be an outward movement. And um, so really God uses his workers for his kingdom. Why? Because he wants his kingdom to include people from all nations. So each and every one of us is able to be used in different positions, in different areas of life, and we are all chosen for a specific purpose. And we can all have some confidence in that, really. And I, I think it's huge that we can all be known that we are chosen by God, and like, like we shared from John 15:16, that from Jesus' own mouth, we can be assured that we are chosen for a purpose. There's no reason to be lost. 
you know, Saul was meant to write half the New Testament, so we're, we're probably not meant for that. But, <laughs> but uh, we're all meant for something. And uh, we just need to reflect on what we're good at and what areas in life we can, we can be used in and be willing to be used in, be obedient, and to surrender to God and His plan and say, hey, you know, maybe we could sit back and think, you know, why, why did God choose me? What am I good at? Who do I reach that other people can't? And then be on mission for Christ in that moment and for His glory. And to continue, I mean, really that's, that's really all we've got from this message is that we just need to continue to be on mission for Christ and to follow exactly what we're supposed to be doing as chosen instruments. That's all I've really got today, guys. So I just wanted to pray <laughs> and, uh, and I just reflect on that. Lord, I just want to pray and thank you that we are chosen by you, Lord. We, we can take solace in the fact that you have chosen us. It's not even us choosing you. We may like to think that, but it's actually the fact that you chose us because we're all good at something and we're all good in the positions that you have us in currently. And we don't have to try to change immensely to reach new people. We just have to make disciples as we're already going. And we need to be on mission for you as chosen instruments. And just continue to work in whatever capacity you ask of us. And be obedient and surrender. And I pray that we do that. I pray that everyone in this room reflects on how you are using them as a chosen instrument for your kingdom and for your glory, Lord. And I pray that we can all remember that, you know, we may not think that everyone can listen to your gospel, or they might, they might not listen, but I pray that we just share the gospel anyway, because you're the one that actually changes hearts. And if you can use a guy like Saul, who is murdering and stoning and beating people in your, against you and your name, and turn him into someone who writes half of the New Testament and is an amazing um, church leader that actually helped start the, the new church. I pray that you can use each and every one of us in big ways like that and just use us because we're obedient and willing to go and surrendering to you and your commandment to make disciples, Lord. And I pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.